Amen. Well, let's spend some time in the Word of God this morning. Amen. Amen. Turn with me in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. If you have a device, switch it to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 and 2. And we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12 this morning. Today, as we have three sessions laid out before us, we're going to kind of stair-step from this session through the rest of the sessions and deal uh, with how I believe that God wants us to look at some things for the community of men uh, that we are and the community of men that we're becoming and those that we want to draw into this kingdom community. And so uh, we're thankful. Uh, last night I got a chance to uh, meet Jared's dad, amen. And so I've had a long time of knowing Jared, but now I got a chance to meet his dad. And so I thank God for that. And thank God for you all uh, being intentional about being here and being in the Word of God and hungering and thirsting for the Lord. And just ask that you would pray that God would speak to us powerfully uh, this morning and uh, that we would worship the King of Glory together, meditate on the words that we sing, and just thank God for all that He's doing with us. Last night we exited the facilities and went to Whataburger. Amen? Now, there was a brother that came in here last night that I thought it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself because uh, while I was, after we, I administered and shared the word of God, we got into some praise and worship and I had my eyes closed and I smelled Whataburger. And I said, it, it must be the Lord. And so, uh, and so uh, I looked up and I just saw it was Whataburger. So I said, well, that's obviously God telling me he wants me to leave campus and go into Columbus and get a Whataburger. So... So got that number two, two meat, you know, on cheese, you know, so, you know, not a number one. You got to grow up and get a number two. You need two meat, amen. All right, so if you're, st if you're still on a number one, man, let me just tell you, you need a number two, amen. So we had a good time at Whataburger last night. But while we were there, uh, we actually came in and the Whataburger was full of men. It was full of men, and come to find out as we were there, uh, there's another camp going on down the road, just a little bit down the road, of 1,000 men. 1,000 men, the exact same time that we're meeting, uh, there's, another, there's another camp with 1,000 men together. There were bikers, and man, they had their, you know, we, we ride for Jesus stuff on, man, and it, it was cool, and we were glad to be among them and share some word with them, and then uh, one of the pastors is a biker, started sharing the word with his family, and, and I think they got saved in Whataburger, so I mean, it was, it's the Lord, you know, I mean, Whataburger, amen. All right, so. <laughs> So let's pray, let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you this morning for the opportunity that you've given us to get together. And Lord, to gather together. Lord, we even lift up the gathering, Lord, of men that is uh, just a few miles away. Lord, we ask that you would speak. We said last night that we believe that you're doing something special with men. And Lord, just on a little casual drive, we found out that there are another thousand men that were gathered together just to hear from you. And those brothers were excited about you just like the men are here. And so God, I thank you for what you're doing in the hearts right here in this area of Columbus. Father God, where you're having men descend into your presence, Father God, to receive a word from you, to go back and to reflect you and your glory powerfully in their communities. And so as you speak here, Father God, speak there and Lord, transform lives here and there, God, as we uh, work together in a community as brothers, God, to lift up the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we need you right now and uh, without you, God, this will be an absent moment. We ask that you would fill it with your presence, God, and your spirit. And so, God, I ask that again, that you would preach forth the words of God by the person and power of your Holy Spirit, and that you'd be glorified, and our lives would be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and thank God. 
Turn with me in your Bible to Proverbs 18, verse 1 and 2. Proverbs 18, verse 1 and 2. And then we're going to flip over to Ecclesiastes 4, uh, 9 through 12. In Proverbs 18, verse 1 and 2, Solomon, the wisdom writer, writes these words. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. This morning I want to talk from the subject, the danger of an isolated man. The danger of an isolated man. One of the things that's very dangerous in our world and in our society is to see a man operating in life all by himself. To see a man wandering around by himself, living in a community of people, but actually living as an individual as if that community doesn't exist. Not realizing the benefits that he receives from being in community with other brothers. It's dangerous for a man to go out and do things simply all by himself. A few years ago, John F. Kennedy's son was flying, I think, a helicopter, or some kind of little uh, flying device. And he's out there in New York, out over the water, and John F. Kennedy's son goes down and dies all by himself. Flying in a plane all by himself. Dangerous. Just a couple months ago, TCU's playing Oregon down in San Antonio, and the Preseason so-called Heisman Trophy uh, leader, Troy Boykin, quarterback, goes out after hours, decides he's going to do a little partying, ends up getting in a fight, and now he can't even play in the bowl game. Dangerous for a man to be by himself. Dangerous for a man to be isolated and walk around with no other brother to say, hey man, let's just stay in tonight. You go from being preseason Heisman Trophy, everybody's saying this guy's All-American, TCU's going to be playing in the national championship. He got injured, we understand that, but he's back for the bowl game and you don't even get to play. And now the combine's coming up and all the NFL scouts are looking at you and the last thing that they think about you is this guy's disobedient to his coaches. The coaches say, come in at this hour, let's get ready for the game. And you're out there trying to get a few beers, look at a few round things on women, and hang out a little late, and you get in a fight with a police officer, and now they send you home. Dangerous for a guy from the Denver Broncos to make it to the Super Bowl, you know, not even a starter, but a defensive back like on the second or third team. You just ought to be glad to be there. And they send you home from the Super Bowl because you go out late at night by yourself and break some rules in a prostitution ring? Dangerous for a man to be by himself. The things that happen to men when we are isolated and by ourselves are very dangerous. I just spoke about some recent events. But all the way back in the Bible, Solomon, the wisdom writer, begins to say this in Proverbs 18, verse 1 and 2. 
He says, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. Now watch this. God never designed a wise man to be by himself, nor approve his own messages. God never designed a wise man to be by himself or approve his own messages. This is very interesting because he says... Uh, this man, he who separates himself, seeks his own desire. Here is a man that gets away by himself and he really seeks his own desire. He doesn't want to hear the wisdom of the community. He doesn't want to hear what any other brother has to say. He doesn't want to gain anything. Now, the book of Proverbs is simply written, Solomon writing to his sons to say, Sons, I don't want you guys to end up fools. Right now, you're naive. But there's a process of naivety that can grow to wisdom, but you don't stay neutral. You're not going to just stay naive, you're either going to grow to be a wise man or you're going to grow to be a fool. And he says, you're going to, you're going to grow one way or the other to be a wise man or you're going to grow to be a fool. He says, but if you separate yourself, you really seek your own desire. And God has never designed a man to be by himself. But he shows you something about the motivation of that man. When a man will not live in community with other brothers and gain the wisdom of other brothers, that brother is motivated by his own selfishness. He wants what he's seeking. Now check this word out. He says, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. Now, that word desire right there means your fleshly pursuits. The things that are in your heart. The things that are coming up in your mind. But watch this. The Bible says in Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your hearts. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now these two words are totally separate because he said when a man delights himself in the Lord Jesus, he said God will give that man the desires and it's not just what he wants, it's the man's petitions. He will give him his petitions. What you come to God praying about because you delight yourself in the ways of God, God will give you what you're praying about. That, that word desire is your petitions. But this word when a man seeks his own desire is not petitions. This is not a praying man. This is not a man that's bent down saying, God, I need you. And because watch this, when God gives you the desires of your heart, if you've already delighted yourself in God, you would never ask for God for anything that was outside of his desire. So now, when you love God and, and you serve God and you delight yourself in God, then when you ask God for questions, say, God, Lord, I'm looking for, to, to this for you from you, God gives you what you want because it pleases him already. But this man, totally separate word, desires. In English, it looks like the same word. He said, this man seeks his own desire, his own fleshly motives in which he's never sought God or never asked another brother, do you think this is okay? In other words, he wants things in his will, not in God's will. Now, well, I want to show you something. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 13, verse 11. Genesis chapter 13, verse 11. Now, I hope that you're familiar with this very first book of the Bible. There's a guy found in the book of Genesis by the name of Abraham. Abraham, God gives him an Abrahamic covenant. God speaks to Abraham, tells he's going to bless him, and he's going to give him land, he's going to give him a uh, future, he's going to give him children, offspring, he's going to give him seed, a blessing. God's going to bless Abraham. Now, what God does is if you read your Bible and you're familiar with this Abrahamic covenant, God does not give a Lotic covenant. God, let, let me say it one more time. God does not give a Lotic covenant. He says, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. 
And through you all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. So the blessing is going to come through Abram, Abram and then his belief in God and his faith in God and the way he walks with God. He never said, I'm going to bless Lot. I'm going to bless people through you, Abraham. Now check out, what Abraham does is he takes his nephew with him. Hey, come on, come on and roll with me. And let's walk in the blessings of God. In some kind of way out there, while God has ordained Abraham to be the man, you got this guy that raises up and he gets some men too and he takes some men aside. Check out Genesis 13 verse 11. Genesis 13 verse 11. So Lot chose for himself all the valley of the Jordan and Lot journeyed eastward, thus they separated from each other. Now let me walk backwards, go to verse 8. So Abraham said to Lot, uh, Please let there be no strife between me and you, nor between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. For we are brothers. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If it to the left, then go to the left. If it will be to the right, then go to the right. Then I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the valley of the Jordan. He saw the valley of the Jordan. That it was well watered everywhere. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord. Like the land of Egypt. Uh, as you go down to Zohar. And then it says, So Lot chose for himself the valley of the Jordan. And Lot journeyed eastward. And thus they separated from each other. Lot... Abraham says, Lot, I don't want to fight with you, man. We're brothers. We're men who ought to be working in unison together. You're my nephew. I brought you up in the faith. You ought to be walking with me and we ought to be working together. How did you, Lot, all of a sudden get some herdsmen? How did you, Lot, all of a sudden get some men? Which simply means this, is that when God is doing a work, there always tends to be some men with another agenda. When God is working powerfully, there's always a guy that figures out, hey, God ought to be working through me. God ought to be using me. He's not just using you, Abraham. You can follow it all throughout the Bible. Moses, he's not just using you. He wants to use us too. Uh, David, he's not just using you. He wants to use us. You can follow it throughout all the Bible. There's always these group of people that will rise up. Go to the New Testament. Paul says, hey man, when I leave, there are going to be some men that rise up among you that are going to draw the disciples after themselves. Not after Jesus. There's always some guys that want to run counter wisdom culture and display their foolishness. He says, and Lot separated himself. Now Lot separates himself from Abraham and what does Lot end up? Lot ends up with all the people that are following him, women and children, captive. And then Abram has to take 318 trained men and go get that brother out of war. Why? Because I love Lot. Now notice what it said, the Bible says, and Lot saw. He saw that it was well watered. He saw the things pleasurable to him. You got to watch your eyes. You got to watch what you see. There's another person who saw something. Her name was Eve. You have to watch what you see because what you see will sometimes become what you desire. And he says, this man has seen something and he separated himself and he seeks his own selfish desire. And when Lot chose his selfish desire, he did not realize he was choosing to take the people to Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked at something that looked good on the outside, but it wasn't God's desire. Here's the amazing thing. Watch how foolish Lot is. When Lot is getting ready, when God comes down and talks to Abraham, he says, Abram, should I, should I tell Abram what I'm going to do? Abraham says, yeah, man, tell him what you're going to do. Hey, 
I'm getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Abram says, hey, listen very carefully. If there are 50 righteous people down there, we not destroy it? He knows Lot and his family is down there. He says, I won't destroy it if there are 50 righteous. If there are 40, God, I won't destroy it if there are 40. If there are 30, God, I won't destroy it. If there are 20, if there are 10, God, I won't destroy it. Abraham intercedes on behalf of Lot. Here's the amazing thing. When you read 2 Peter chapter 2, the Bible calls Lot a righteous man. It's an amazing story. You ought to study Lot. Here's a guy who separates from Abram. Here's a guy who leads his family to where his, he offers his daughters to sleep with these people at the gate. Here's a man whose daughters get drunk. Now that's what I really want to get to. His daughters get drunk and have an incestual relationship with him. Why? Because they make a tragic comment. Watch it brothers. There's no man left on the earth. So let us go unto our Father and God will make a posterity through us. Do you know what that means? That means that Lot had not told his daughters that Abraham the blessing comes through him. In other words, Lot had not taught his family, his children, that God blessed Abraham and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. What does this mean to you? It means that we've got to be connected to the blessing. And so when we're connected to the blessing, here's the big deal. Is that if the nations are blessed through Abraham, how can you think you're the only one left? His daughters think that we're the, the first thing that they should have said is, where's Abraham? We just saw mom get turned into a pillar of salt. Where's Abraham? Our family's jacked up. Mom is gone. Where's Abraham? Not come up with a plan on, we're going to go in our dad, get our dad drunk and do that. Why? His children have no faith. Now, although, I, and here's why I want you to understand that Lot's a righteous man. Lot's a righteous man, meaning clean before God. Abraham intercedes on God. Will you destroy it if there are 50 righteous? Peter comes back and calls Lot righteous. With all the ignorant and stupid decisions that Lot made, he's still clean in God's eyes. As he followed Abraham in the promise. But in the midst of being clean in the God's eyes and a member of God's community, here's a man who follows his own desire. So we can be in church, we can be in great communities, and we can walk along inside that church and follow our own desires and our family be totally jacked up. And here's what happens. When you don't intersect with the proper community and follow the proper community of the church, you end up in trouble. And the same brothers that you separated from are the same brothers that loved you enough to go and get you out of your problem. So here's a man who separates himself. Walk with me back to Proverbs 18 verse 1. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Now, God says that if you're going to wage successful war, you need to get an abundance of counselors. You need to get men in your life who have wisdom from God. And as you're making decisions, you make decisions and you make wise decisions based on getting insight from other men. Last week, a young man in our congregation, his wife is pregnant and uh, he's a great brother. Uh, been with the church eight years now. The church has been open ten years. Great brother. Married one of the elders' nieces in the congregation. Got a great family. And they got, they're pregnant now, getting ready to have their baby, and he uh, has this great job, and he goes out and he says, hey man, we're going to go get a new car, you know, because my wife's pregnant. And the elder says to him, why would you get a new car when you're already going to have new baby expenses at the exact same time? When you already have two cars paid off? Well, I just think that she kind of needs an SUV now. Now here's the, here's the deal. Another young adult male in our church got his wife pregnant. 
And guess what he says? I need an SUV. Now the two cars you have were paid for, but you're going to go take this in and you're going to go get your new SUV at the exact same time. So we tell both of the guys as we're doing life with them, hey, we don't think it's wise for you to buy those cars. The, elder, the one who's married to the elder's niece buys the car. Buys the car when the elder says, hey man, go get you a $3,000 hoopty. You know, or keep the car that's already paid for. But he goes and buys a new car. Tuesday, the company calls him. We're laying off. Just bought a new car. Baby's coming in a month. Elder tells him, now's not a wise time to buy a car. But guess what? I seek my own desire, man. Because, hey, hey, I'm, I got to have an SUV. I got to buy into the American way. I mean, it, it's not good for me just to have these little cars right here. See, wise decisions come from you seeking wise counsel, but not just hearing people pour wise things into you, but actually executing what wise folks say. See, we can pour out all the information to people that they want, but if you still make ignorant decisions, as if, well, don't waste our time. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't ask me. Hey, Pastor, I'd like to sit down and ask you and talk to you for an hour and a half about this, and you know, I'm weighing through this. Man, you already going to make your decision. <laughs> so now, guess who the brother's with? Pastor, man, you know, is there any way I can help you to church? Yeah, come on, man, come help. But next time, don't make a dumb decision. In other words, don't seek your own desire when wisdom is around. Check out this Proverbs 18, verse 1. It's an amazing verse. He who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. A fool does not delight in understanding. He calls him a fool. Not only is this man separated, living individually, but now he's a fool. Not a wise man. He's a fool. He doesn't want understanding. He doesn't want to learn what to do and how to do it the right way. And then it says, he only delights in revealing his own mind. God never designed a wise man to be by himself nor approve his own messages. In this uh, era of political uh, nomination era and we're going through all these uh, election season, a guy will come on TV and says, I'm such and such and I approve this message. What he just said is, you don't need to approve your own messages. He says, you want to reveal your own mind. See, you're not trying to listen to wisdom. You're not trying to get any understanding from anybody else. You want to reveal your own mind, your own thought process. You want to endorse your own messages. He said, don't do that. He said, if you really want to be a wise man and not a fool, wise men listen to other men. The reason why God gives us community is so that we can spend time around other men, learning from other men, from their experiences. Uh, I, I was serving as youth pastor at my church, uh, at a church where I was youth pastor for about four and a half years. And there was a 60-year-old man in the congregation, his wife. And my wife and I, I'm on staff, going to Bible college, already got my undergraduate degree, getting ready to go to seminary. And this man hadn't gone to Bible college, didn't have a degree, but he was a wise man and he and his wife had a major ministry inside the church. I said, will you disciple me? Can my wife and I go out on dates with you? We'll pay, take y'all to dinner, and you just talk to us about how you navigated through life. I didn't think that because I was on staff, I had graduated from need to be discipled. I needed some wisdom of a man who was down the road. I was getting ready to buy a house. I'd gone from my corporate America salary to my $625 a week youth pastor salary. Now, now when I say my corporate America salary, you all don't know my background. I was the regional sales planning manager for Minute Maid. Uh, I was over the 13 states in the Midwest region. I made $235,000 a year at 29. That was my, that was, that was my package. 235. I left 235 
to make $6.25 a week, no insurance, and jump on my wife's insurance at U of H. That means I had to make some downsizing. Downsize out of a bigger house into a smaller house. We're making a decision uh, on which house to live in, and I went by and I, I asked this man some questions. I said, well, what would you do about you know, the checking account, this, this, this? He said, Blake, he said, he said, be honest. He said, I, I don't, I don't uh, manage my account like that. I don't, I don't, I don't check my, my account like that. He said, I haven't checked my account like that in 17 years. I said, what? He said, I, the, the way you're talking about your account, I don't do that. I said, why not? He said, because I don't, have, I don't owe anything. I don't have any debt. I haven't had debt in 17 years. I don't have to check my account like that. I realized that day. I said, dang, I need to step up, man. You know, I mean, <laughs> the borrower's enslaved to the lender. You know, I, I mean, so, so, so I realized when he made that comment that he had something, having been in corporate America, just like I was, that I didn't have. I had created debt with all my 235000 And watch this. I went from two thirty-five to six twenty-five. But under this man's mentorship, I paid off credit cards that I had created at two thirty-five when I was making six twenty-five a week. Amen. Under some wise counsel of a brother who wasn't a fool. Amen. <coughs> Listen to me very carefully. He says, you only want to reveal your own. Okay, I'll do it like that. Amen. Now, I want to share this with you. Walk with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12. A man who is isolated is dangerous. He seeks his own wisdom. He wants to reveal his own mind. He's not wanting to hear input from people who know better. We must be men who do not make decisions by ourselves. When we're making major life decisions, we need to run it through a council of brothers. I've quoted it earlier. The Bible says that if you want to wage successful war warfare, it's done through an abundance of counselors. Who is in your life that when you're making a decision, you ask, how do you go about approaching that? How do you go about doing that? Now, listen to me very carefully. Some of you all, uh, we, we do Dave Ramsey Financial Peace at our church. And um, while we do Dave Ramsey Financial Peace, one of the things that we found out over the, the three times that we've done it is the people that are getting murdered in the debt scenario is getting murdered through student loans. College student loans getting murdered. Graduating from A&M, $100,000 in debt. Uh, graduating from these various schools all across the state, $75,000 in debt. Getting murdered. Now, with that being said, the question is, is what do you do? How, how do you plan wisely against those type of scenarios in life? So you put together Dave Ramsey Financial Peace class. You start putting together some investment uh, strategies for the congregation members so you can get them out of debt so that they won't be all strangled up for the rest of their lives. So here's the deal. We have to have men in our lives that are, we have couples now that meet with our elder financial steward to just figure out how do we put together a plan to get ourselves out of debt. Don't make any decisions, major decisions, by yourself. Run them through some people. We're not that good. <laughs> just straight up, we're not that good. Y'all, 
Whenever I got a, I love cars, love cars, love cars. Let me say it one more time, love cars. So whenever there's a chance to buy a new car, guess what? I want to buy a new car. And then the new car shows me its price tag and it says, I don't think that you're really interested in buying me. <laughs> and so I go buy a pre-owned car that I can pay for and say, okay, we don't have any notes and we can walk down the road. Amen? So we got to be wise and we don't want to make our own decisions and we don't want to murder ourselves. So when you're looking at life, put yourself in a position to where you're not getting crushed by making your own decisions. Now let's walk to Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12. And I'm out of here. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is no one to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can, over, one can overpower him, who is, uh, uh, who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Now, notice this. God designed men to work in collaboration for maximum production. Listen to this very carefully. God designed men to work in collaboration for maximum production. Two are better than one, for they have a good return for their labor. Now, I'm going to just give you a quickie on this. Let's just say that you have a man that starts a business to where he's mowing lawns. And he's out there mowing lawns. He's got his own little lawnmower. He's mowing lawns and he's doing all that, uh, you know, weed eating, doing all that kind of stuff, making sure that everything's nice, you know, take, take care of the hedges. And he does 10 yards in a day. But he hires a buddy with him. And now they start doing 30 yards. Not 20 yards, 30 yards, because he has somebody with him. He says that when men work together, men experience maximum production. The counterpoint is, is when you work by yourself, regardless of how good you are, you will never maximize what you could have done had you been working with another brother. I need you to remember this for the very next session. Two are better than one. This is going to build. Jesus Christ never sends out a man one by one. Where we're going is Jesus Christ sends out men in pairs. He sends out the apostles in pairs. He always sends men out two by two. You cannot do community by yourself. Christ has designed us to do community together, to walk with one another in such a way that when we're doing things together, we're sharing. He says, I might have an idea and another brother may have already executed that and say, hey, here's a better way. You cannot live in the church, and I praise God for y'all being here, so I'm really preaching to the choir, I understand, but here's the deal. You got to go back to the brothers that didn't come and make sure that they're inside this same community so they're participating and learning and that their families aren't struggling and they get maximum production out of what God has called them to do. This we cannot be satisfied with. Not that we're not thankful for it. But there's some other men, am I, am I right or is this every man in your church? There's some other good brothers who aren't here that need to be here. Need to be here. But that's you and I making a connection with them so they can be with us. Watch this, Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. And so he says, men you need to work together for maximum production. Verse 10, he says... For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to the one who falls when there is not another one to lift him up. God designed men to work in connection for our own moments of protection. God designed men to work in connection for our own moments of protection. He says, if one of them falls, the other can pick him up. But if he falls by himself, nobody can pick him up. Now this is major league. Why? In Psalm 37, write this down, 23 through 25, God says that the steps of a righteous man are ordained by the Lord. And he delights 
in his way. Psalm 37, verse 23 through 25. And then the next verse says, And if he falls, or when he falls, he will not fall headlong because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. Now God just said the steps of a righteous man, a good man, are ordered by God. And God delights in that man's way. So here's a good Christian brother doing the right thing, doing the good things, and, he, and his steps are ordered by God. And then the Bible says something interesting, when he falls. When he falls. In other words, God recognizes as good as we are in the room, in, the, in, in his presence, that there are going to be days that you and I have some falling moments. And he says, and when we fall, the man won't fall utterly down and be destroyed because God holds his hand. So when you and I have fallen and had moments of despair, the reason why we didn't go down as far as we could have gone down is because God was holding us. Yeah. Now watch what Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10 says though. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 10 says, two are better than one, they have good return for their labor, but be careful if one man falls by himself and there's not one to pick him up. But when he falls, the good thing is he's got a brother to pick him up. Do you realize what God just said? God says that now I use you in the life of another man the same way I use myself. God is giving you the privilege as a man to you being in the life with another brother that when that brother has a moment of failure in his life that you're right there to pull him up. But if you're isolated, you ain't got nobody to pull you up. God, here's the privilege of this portrait of manhood that God has given us. Is that God says, I'm the one who holds you when you fall. But when you're in community and you fall and you're connected with another brother, there's another brother that picks you up. The Bible says a friend loves at all times. A brother is born for the day of adversity. A friend loves at all times. Now watch this. Psalm says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Here's the assumption of the text. When things are going well, when things are going bad, I'm going to bless the Lord. When I'm rich, I'm going to bless the Lord. When I'm poor, I'm going to bless the Lord. In moments of prosperity, I'm going to bless the Lord. In, in, the, in moments of adversity, I'm going, to bless, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times based on who he is. The Bible says a friend loves at all times. Simply means that there's going to be a day that a close brother of yours inside this room is going to fall and have a disappointing moment. But if I'm his friend, in his moment of disappointment and despair, in his moment of failure, I'm not there to say, man, you messed up. I'm there to pick the brother up just like God would. Amen. Amen. I'm designed for your fall. You're designed for my fall if we're in community. But if you're by yourself when you fall, you don't have anybody to pick you up. What happens when a man falls by himself? Now a man begins to work in his own mind, all the things. The people will be embarrassed if somebody finds out. And now the next thing you know, you ain't around the church. You're no longer around the brothers. And you become more and more isolated. And the enemy gets you isolated to where you're not around anybody. And the next thing you know, man, you just falling totally off. But if you have some real brothers in your life who you can talk about real stuff to, real stuff, real stuff, real stuff, you know what, man? I go to my job and the secretary, man, her perfume. Now, I know this just never happened to y'all. Y'all love the Lord. Y'all secretary weighs 762 pounds. So, you weren't interested in the first place. But who do you talk to about real temptation? Who do you 
talk to about, hey man, will you be praying for me about this? Just the other day, one of the young men in our church, great young guy on trajectory, uh, going well, being ministered to by our men's minister, Terrence Slaughter over there. Great young man was in San Antonio, been traveling on his job the last two weeks heavily. Not in town at all. And he said, man, Slaughter, he said, man, uh, this lady at this meeting tonight, man, winked at me and, you know, was smiling at me, man. And I, and, and, and I felt something. You know, I've been away from my wife. Man, Slaughter said, we talked on the phone an hour and a half. I talked that brother through the scriptures, and I prayed with that brother on the phone. I talked to him about James chapter 1 and the lust carrying you away and your own desires carrying you away. He said, man, don't, don't, don't get caught up in that. And that brother said, man, thank you, man. Got off the phone. It was good. But if you don't talk to anybody about the real struggles that you have in your life, man, when that moment comes of failure, you're in deep trouble. You got to have guys that you open up with and say, hey man, I'm a messed up wreck. That's why I need grace. That's why I need God's mercies every morning. Now, watch this. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 11. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 11, he says, Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? God designed men to benefit one another through relational association and connection. God has designed us to benefit one another through relational association and connection. That you and I are connected to each other. And so when one is down, someone else can be right there for him to make sure that our hearts are beating in the right direction. God can, when God says, man, if, if you're by yourself and you lie down, you can't keep warm. If another, now this ain't no funny stuff, guys. All right, cool. We're good. All right. But, it, but, but if I'm right there with you, then we can be warm together. We have a relational association and connection. Why is it important to have this type of close connection with another brother? Because those moments of failure come up. And it's easy to call a brother and say, hey man, this is going on. This is happening when you've already been talking to a brother. That's when you're in community. But an isolated man never talks to anybody about what's really going on in his life. That's the danger of an isolated man. Because the isolated man doesn't know that he's setting himself up for his own failure. By not being in relationship with other brothers. But when you have somebody that you can call, man look here. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Then somebody can call, but hey man, let's pray. But if you don't call anybody in that moment, you might have made it out that night. You may not have made it out that time. But what about three times from now? Because now that thing is sowing, it's growing all in your heart, and you're wondering, hey, is anybody going to find out? Nobody's going to find out. Nobody will know. And next thing you know, we make a decision that obliterates our lives. You need a brother with you through relational association and, and connection. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12. God designed men to assist one another through per, uh, personal protection so we wouldn't experience disconnection. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12, he says this. And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A quarter of three strands is not easily broken. One-on-one, -on -one, we might get taken out. He said, but if your brother's right there with you, he said, two people can resist him. In your moments of temptation, who's with you? Who's standing with you? He said, one can take him out, but two can resist him. You need somebody that you're so connected with in your life, that you're so engaged with in your life, that whenever something's coming up against you, you know that you got a brother to call on. This whole thing, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, is simply saying you need two, three men in your life because there's a good return on y'all's labor together. You need some cats that are able to say, hey man, let's not go down that road. Y'all was speaking at a, at a ministry and I took a brother with me and uh, 
And, and, and I didn't realize that I spoke and I was done, went back into the pastor's office, the pastor uh, wasn't there, the youth pastor kind of you know, entertained me the whole time. But I didn't realize literally that the secretary was going to be sweet on me. And then the secretary said, hey, you know, pastor's not here, but we'll take you out to lunch. You know, I was like, normally, like, if I go out and, and speak, the pastor takes me out to lunch. Why is the secretary, and my boy say, hey, man, no, uh, me, me and him, we already, got, we already got plans. Now, the secretary, she wasn't that bad looking. And when she said, we'll take you out to lunch, I was hungry. You see how easily you can rationalize that thing? Oh, it's on behalf of the pastor. And I didn't recognize what was going on because at first I was just chilling. And then my boy said, hey man, come on dog, let's, let's, let's get, she, she's sweet on you. I'm like, for me, on me for real? <laughs> I didn't know I still had it like that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the main point was I had a brother with me right there to pick up on something that I didn't see and allowed me to resist something that was getting ready to come down my road. It was right there, brothers. And I, I, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't see it. But my brother was right there to see something that I didn't see. And so here's the thing. You never want to be an isolated man to where you endorse your own messages. You quarrel against all sound wisdom that God has given in a community of brothers. You never want to be a guy that when you fall, you don't have someone right there to pick you up. Here's the beauty of a good brother. Is that a good brother reminds you of God. When this man falls, he won't fall headlong because God is the one who holds his hand. When you and I fall in life, and we will sometimes, we got a brother right there to pick us up. I need a brother in my life just like that. There's a guy by the name of Peter who needed a brother like that. There's a guy named Peter who needed a brother like that. And Jesus told him, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. And when you return... I prayed for you that your faith would not fall. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. When Jesus is raised from the dead, he says, go get the disciples and Peter. And Peter preaches at Pentecost and 3,000 are saved. Peter denied the Lord Jesus and was embarrassed about this moment of fall. But before he ever fell, Jesus Christ was already praying for him. Because Peter was a brother living inside the community. When you don't have one living inside the community, you don't know what happens to you when you fall. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we as men will not isolate ourselves. God, Peter maintained himself inside the community and was with the disciples. But there was another brother, God, who also fell and betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. His name was Judas Iscariot. And Judas Iscariot, Father God, got away from all the disciples. And the Bible says he burst himself headlong and died. Father God, but yet Peter also denied the Lord Jesus Christ, but he maintained himself inside the community. And when Christ came back, Lord, he prepared breakfast for him and told him, uh, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, feed my sheep. Lord, when we fall, there's still work for us. And we thank God that you're holding our hand. But Lord, put us in a community of brothers to where we don't operate individually to where we end up lost, God. So Lord, we pray right now that God, you would raise up in this group men who will not only connect with men in this group, but the men that are not represented that are still parts of our church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God. Would you stand as we continue to worship this morning?
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. comes up it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy name. Your in love and your soul to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing. Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your holy When my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will see your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then Your holy name. 
All right, praise God. Go ahead and be seated just for a minute. We'll break up here in small groups in a second. Um, Boy, that was challenging, wasn't it? And I'm telling you right now, guys, there's some guys in this room that need a buddy. And I'll tell you what, the the guys I have to rescue from ditches often are the guys that isolate themselves. It's always the case. The guys in the ditches are the guys that are by themselves. And they're tough. I just need Jesus. Because Jesus, he can do it alone. Yeah, but you're not Jesus. You're not God. And the guy who's got in trouble of his disciples, the biggest, was Judas, and he isolated himself. Peter did, he got in trouble. What makes us think we're so tough? And listen to this, and I'll speak to myself. Pastors, we're sometimes the most isolated guys in the world. And and it's not necessarily because of somebody else's fault, it's our fault. And I'm going to challenge all the pastors in this room, you better have some guys. I understand it's lonely, and they don't understand what all of a sudden you're, maybe all you're going through. But you better have some guys in your life. Because that's what happens. And not only does it wreck your life, it wrecks your church life. When all of a sudden you fall because you're so tough. Man, I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need nobody else. I'll tell you what, and I've said this in our church many times. Hey, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. And we needed to hear that. I needed to hear that. Thank you so much, brother, for, for preaching the truth from God's Word, inspired and, and, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We needed to hear that this morning, guys. And if we, uh, that's, that's enough. <laughs> I just, uh, I, I just I was, when, he was, when he was talking about that, I think about back when I was, used to lift weights hard. I don't do that anymore. I'm just lifting my weights hard enough now, all right? But used to bench press a lot. And, and I remember when I, when I graduated from college in, in December, and I was waiting for the draft, NFL draft, and, and, and I, I needed to move away from the college I was at, and I, I lifted by myself. You know what happened to my weights? They went down. Because I didn't have anybody spotting me. I'm not going to put 400 pounds on the bar and let it crush my neck when there's nobody there to take care of me. And my weights all of a sudden started going down. I was, what's wrong, man? I'm getting weaker and I'm getting ready for the NFL draft. What's going on? And I said, there's nobody spotting me. That's the problem. I needed a brother to push me. Then, then, when, then when I did fail, there was somebody to pick that weight off my neck. So I wasn't going to put much weight on there when they were there to spot me. That's just life. We got to learn that. We need to hear that over and over again. We got to get this on recording and make every man listen to this every day. That's how bad we need it. And and you all know what I'm talking about. And some of you guys are in a ditch right now. And you know what? We love you. And there's some guys here who want to help you get out of that ditch. Let them help you. All right. All right. We we are going to, you know, I never did introduce myself. Some of you guys don't know who I am. Uh, It's it's, it's okay. All right. But as soon as this guy keeps on getting, and now he's getting mean to us or something. Um, Well, who, well, my name, who I am, all right, who I am is I'm, I'm beloved by God. I'm a child of God. That's who I am. I'm a saint who sometimes sins. That's who I am. That's my identity in Christ. But my name is Brian McKenzie, and I have the privilege to serve as a teaching pastor at Grace Bible Church. And we, we've been having man camp for 12 years, and five years ago, some of my brother, fellow pastors in here started talking about, man, we'd really like to be able to do a men's retreat. doesn't seem to go well. I said, hey, just come and join us. And that's where the Brazos Point man camp came from. This is our fifth year. And praise God for five years. And I look forward to many, many more years of God using this to impact the churches and men in our community. I, I mentioned this to Scott yesterday. I'm so encouraged to be in a community. I don't know. I mean, maybe the churches that aren't here. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I, 
I don't feel a competition between the churches in our community. Isn't that good? Because there's a lot of places that's all about competition. We're going to get them to come over here. And we're going to get them to come over. It's not like that in our community. I'm so thankful for that. Aren't you, Scott? I'm thankful for that. We can cheer each other on. And we can come together at Brasport Man Camp. Well, I'm going to quit talking. I'm, I'm a preacher. That's what happens, right? Um, uh, I, we didn't need any more, man. That was enough. I mean, I, I'm just challenged and convicted. That's probably why, why, why I keep talking. But we want to go broke out of our small groups. The same small groups you have last night, we want you to get back in. And I, I want you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, each of you, we're going to put these people on the spot. I want you to go around that circle and talk and, and mention, who's the guy in your life? Who's that man or men in your life that you're committed to and they're committed to you? Some of you ain't going to have nobody to say. And don't make one up if you don't have one. <laughs> and say, so, you know what? I, I need to have somebody. And, and, and you guys love that person enough to say, okay, well, I'm going to follow up. Make sure maybe I can be that guy or you better find somebody because I'm going to ask you. Now, some people don't like that. And that's the problem in our world today. That we don't love somebody enough to keep them accountable and say, you know, I'm going to ask you, Scott, who's the guy in your life? You better be able to come up with somebody. If not, you better go find somebody. We ain't got a bunch of women in the room. All right? Don't worry about offending somebody. Love them enough. Right. All right? So that's what I want you to ask. I want you to, and, and talk about some of those times when, when, when the Lord used those men to lift you up or you've had the chance to lift someone up because you've been committed, first of all, to Jesus and second of all to that man to help him walk with Jesus. So let's, let, let me pray and we're going to break up in small groups. We're back again 11.15 for the next session, okay? Lord, thank you so much for your word. Oh, Lord, uh, thank you for using Blake to open up your word to us this morning. But we don't want to be fools. We want to be men who are wise, who are connected with you and connected with other men of God. So we don't make foolish decisions. Lord, I pray you'd bless our time and our small groups, Lord, that you would allow us to begin to think about these things and not just to, to think about them and mull them over in our mind, but, Lord, begin to put them into action by your grace. Lord, I pray that even just from this morning's session, that you would uh, do a powerful work among the men in our churches and our community based upon your word and your son living through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What about the new guys? Oh, new guys. Uh, if you, new guys, just find a group that needs some more guys. How's that? And d dive in. <laughs>